Thanks for listening to the Red Pill Current News Podcast where we bring you the news you won't hear on mainstream media. New episodes every Wednesday and Saturday. Visit our website at www.politicalnewspodcast.us. Be sure to follow us on all platforms. We are on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcast, and many more. Now here is your host, the Kentucky Guy. Yep, that's right. It's me, the Kentucky Guy, here hosting the Red Pill Current News Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in for today's episode. Before we get to that, I did want to let you know that we are switching up our platform a little bit. Uh, We are still going to bring you the news each and every time we're up. We're always going to keep you informed on what's really happening, not only in America, but as our world as a whole. Uh, however, we do have a lot of different things going on right now. We have authors coming on and doing interviews. We have mediums coming on and doing interviews. We have other podcasters coming on. We have comedians coming on. So we are changing it up just a little bit uh, because we want to appeal to a wider variety of audience. So if you guys like the platform and how it's going, you can always leave us feedback or even If you want to be a part of the show one day and be a guest on here and have your own interview, you can do that too. Just drop me a line at OLKentucky spelled out 99 at yahoo.com. OLKentucky 99 at yahoo.com. Come and join the fun. It's all about all of us working and helping each other throughout this crazy time in America. Once again, I'm the Kentucky guy. I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you, and as always, God bless, and God bless this country. Aha! All right, and welcome to the Red Pill Current News Podcast. I'm your host, the Kentucky Guy. How is everybody doing today? It's a beautiful day here in the great state of Kentucky. The sun's shining, the birds are singing, and the babies are crying. It's good everywhere. Hey, if this is your first time listening to us, be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button. No matter which platform you're listening to us on, we are on Pandora, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Apple, iTunes, and the list goes on. Uh, Also, for you wrestling fans out there, I do co-host with Donnie Cage, Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We drop new episodes there every Monday and Friday. Uh, This Monday, the episode that just passed yesterday, uh, was all about comparing our predictions to Extreme Rules and what actually happened. So if you get a chance, check it out. Also, we do... uh, drop new episodes here every wednesday and saturday on the red pill podcast if you would ever like to be a guest or have any questions you can always email me at ol kentucky spelled out 99 at yahoo.com ol kentucky spelled out at 99 at yahoo.com also the new book is out america the land of the sleeping be sure to check that out if you got it. uh if you can it's on ebook and paperback all right so we have a very special guest with us today and I want to get right to him. 
Uh, so I want a huge round of applause for our special guest. He's a motivational speaker, a sales guru, the author of the book, Sales Warrior. Uh, please welcome John, uh, Sales Warrior Sansoni, to the show. Hey, sir. How you doing? Hey, doing great, man. Thanks for having me on, Kentucky guy. Yes, sir. Glad to have you. So, John, since this is your uh, first time on the show, if you don't mind, uh, go ahead and give us a little bit of background about yourself. Absolutely. You know, I am a, uh, a product of years and years of seeking motivational material myself. I, uh, I've been in professional sales for 32 years. I came to Dallas, Texas with next to no money. When I graduated from college, when I say next to no money, I had 300 bucks. And soon that was gobbled up by a bad car repair. And so I was basically sitting in the uh, Dallas area, completely broke, a college degree, a ton of motivation, and I started waiting tables. And uh, got my first uh, got my first job, leveraged that into a sales job. Now, 32 years later, I'm financially independent, uh, you know, just very well read in terms of both motivation and psychology. And, uh, and I just love, even after 32 years, Kentucky guy, I still love selling. And, um, and it's just what really inspires me. In fact, I sold stuff today. Yeah. It, uh, so I actually have a, a sales background myself and, uh, it gets in your blood, man. It's hard to do any, uh, anything else. I've sold cars, started out, uh, actually working for, uh, my family, they had a uh, pawn shop slash furniture store in the same building. And uh, mm -hmm. just, uh, you know, I've, like I've said, we, I ended up putting a used car lot there, done that for a number of years. So did uh, big dealerships as well. Uh, insurance. I mean, you name it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I love it, man. I love it. It's a, uh, it's a duplicatable skill. And uh, the thing I find, most people that do it are not professionals. No, that's true. That's true. I mean, uh, uh, they don't go to college to learn it. It's a, uh, and it's a skill that you can actually, uh, I've had people, um, uh, I used to be an operations manager at a call center and uh -huh. we had inbound calls and we also did cold calling and I've had, uh, supervisors that worked under me have these agents and they're saying, man, they just can't sell. They just can't do it, but you can, anybody can really do it. You have to want to, and you have to have the right mentor to get you there. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that, Kentucky guy. And when I say professional salespeople, I don't mean that they have a college degree. What I mean is that they uh, is that they attack it like a professional. Because a lot of people will pick up an electric guitar, and some people will get on stage and make money at it, make albums, and tour the world, and be a true professional. And, and you don't have to have a college degree to be a professional, but, but you have to have the will and the skill as well as the, uh, the motivation to, uh, to approach it on a higher level. Yeah, you, you have, I agree 100%. You've got to have that desire because uh, uh, you've got to have some thick skin too because uh, you're not going to get a yes every single time. Uh, when I was in the insurance and we went door to door, store to store, cold call mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. because it gave us leads, but there wasn't any money in that because that was customers we already had. 
So I had, my philosophy was get the big ones, get the new ones, because you get more commission from them, of course. So, uh, <laughs> and, and I had this thing every day in my mind when I went out on my own, uh, I'd write down 20, 20 no's. And I said, after I get 20 no's, then I'll start worrying about getting a yes. And that seemed sure. to work. Yeah. So, awesome. what, so what's your experience when it comes to code calling? Yeah, so cold calling is all about state management and, and having a good process. So what do I need, mean by state management? Well, and, and you'll find I, I use a lot of analogies in my motivational business, but, um, but state management is all about being prepared and, uh, and, and to like also all about uh, being psychologically in state to make it happen. That's what state management means. And, uh, and most salespeople don't acquire that like state management because, you know, like you're saying when you're cold calling, man, that's the highest level of state management you need to be. If you take somebody, for instance, that doesn't have a lot of fire in them to, uh, to sell your product, you, uh, you get them on the phone cold calling and you make them dial a hundred dollars or $50 or, or whatever it takes. Um, from the first dial to the 50th dial, you're going to have a different salesperson because now they've had the school of hard knocks and, and they're going to learn some things. They're going to learn, for instance, the tempo at which they need to speak. They need to match the person, both the volume of the person on the other side of the phone, as well as the tempo in the, in the time that they speak. And sometimes, too, this will throw people a little bit of a curve, but like I've been known to match their, uh, their accent. And, uh, and that has benefited me tremendously in cold calling. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know that we have some sales folks from emails that I've received from the audience. Uh, in the yeah. I know we have some that actually listen. Uh, can you give um, some advice on how to get a, around the uh, what I call gatekeeper, like the secretaries and so forth? Well, yeah, you got to kill them with kindness, right? Uh, if you have a name, that's, that's fantastic. But, uh, but, you know, you, you just got to be confident. And, and when you call in and they answer, you know, uh, just really share with them who you are. You don't have to tell them what you sell. But, but you know, hey, this is, uh, I'll just use, uh, like, my cold calling name. I would be like, hey, this is John Frederick, and, uh, and I'm calling today to speak with uh, Bob Smith. I'm sorry, John, he's busy right now. Ah, I understand he's busy. When would be a better time for me to call? That's one way to do it. Um, another way to do it is to uh, is to call uh, is to call another department and then get sent to them, and then you're around the gatekeeper. So, like when I sold the hospitals, I would say maintenance, please. They'd immediately put me in maintenance, and then I would, uh, you know, I'd talk to you. I was selling industrial chemicals, and then I would get pushed to the hospital administrator. So, uh, so that's one way to do it. I also did that in IT work. Um, but, the, but the more confident you are when you cold call, you know, the stronger your voice and the more relaxed you are when you cold call, you'll, you'll get through the, uh, the gatekeeper. And, and then too, like in sales, remind yourself and know that sales is all about impressions. Zig Ziglar, very famous gentleman in professional selling, says that you have to have five impressions to make your first sell. So maybe your first impression is going to that gentleman's voicemail. 
like when I first started out in sales, Kentucky guy, we didn't have voicemail. We have it now, man, and I absolutely love it because I can make a solid professional first impression with somebody without reaching them. And the gatekeeper will push me to their voicemail. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I always liked voicemail too. And uh, email as well. I used a lot of email uh, uh, cold calling back in the day when I would develop uh, email lists and use funnels. So, yep. uh, so I was, uh, when doing some research uh, on you, and by the way, what you just said about maintenance makes so much sense because if you got, I mean, that's the guy that's going to actually be using the chemical. He can't make the decision, but I guarantee he's got some influence over the decision maker. So that makes complete sense. Complete. Absolutely. And absolutely. And efficient. That's the one thing. Like, uh, salespeople want to do a one and done. And that's not how sales works. That's not how you can be in it for 32 years like me and be financially independent. If you're, uh, if you're going out there to do a one and done, you, you got to think of it more like it's a process. It's a game. Uh, something that's really helpful if you're cold calling on the phone is take your shoes off. I know it sounds strange, but kick your shoes off. Why kick your shoes off? Because you're going to feel a little strange with your shoes off. More importantly, you're not going to go every five minutes to get a cup of coffee or a glass of water. You're going to sit there and you're going to pound the phone. Something else I think is helpful when you're cold calling. Me personally, I'm into music and I like having a pair of drumsticks when I'm cold calling because I like playing the air drums while I'm cold calling. It gives me something to do. Yeah, uh, I've seen that before. I had a little, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know what it's called, like a little fidget thing that I would carry. Mm -hmm. Because uh, a lot of my calling, cold calling uh, on the phone was in the vehicle, you know, selling insurance. Uh, sure. So I had this little thing that I carry around and it was just something to do to keep me occupied. So I knew, you know, why the phone was ringing uh, because a lot of times it would be voicemails during the day. Uh, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. And it, and it takes you've got to help. Uh, the, the one main thing that I've noticed, especially when it comes to cold calling and to sales in general is you've got to be self-reliant. You've got to have a little bit of independence about you because you don't have that ball standing over you saying, you need to go to work, you need to do this, you need to do that, because you're pretty much your own boss, and that's what I always, that's what always intrigued me about sales. Absolutely, man. And, uh, and the more that the salesperson, Casey, uh, Kentucky guy, the more they use analogies to push them forward, the better off they'll be. And what do I mean by an analogy? But so you think about the running back in football as an example. Well, the running back in football just makes a little bit of, you know, downside hop, they hand him the ball, he makes maybe four yards, gets tackled, thrown to the ground. Man, that sells. Gets back up, goes to the huddle, comes back out, rolls out again, they hand him the ball, he makes just a little bit more down the, uh, down the field, gets tackled again, He's not made a touchdown yet, right? He has to run play after play after play after play. And, and that sells, man. And, and the more you think of it as a game, sales is a game. And the better you get at playing the game, the more money you'll make. Yep, and the more you think about it as a game, the more action you'll take. Because everybody likes playing games. Yeah, you're 100% you're spot on. Absolutely. Uh, I remember when I would take new agents out, um, I actually wanted the first day to be uh to be nothing but rejections 
And my manager, he never understood that. I never could get it across to his head because they always wanted uh, these five thousand uh, dollar days on uh, on the on your first week out. And we would always hit or more before the week was over. But that first, day, if they got enough no's and enough turndowns, and I would always tell them, you know, I do coaching afterwards and uh-huh. the marathon. This isn't a race, a sprint. Uh, but I could tell usually by the end of the day if that person truly had the desire and was going to stay with me or if they were just looking for a quick buck and not going to make there it. There you go. That, and, and that's one of my interview questions years ago when I was a manager, similar to like yourself. I, I would sit there and I would say, okay, I'm going to paint a scenario for you. Let's say you you got here in our office at 8 o'clock and you worked till 8 till like 11.30 or noon. You took your hour lunch, whatever. You worked till 11, took an hour lunch, you came back. You work from like one o'clock to four thirty. Now it's four thirty. You've been on the phone all day long. It's four thirty. You haven't made one sale. You have zero paperwork to do. Right now you're having one of the, you know the worst business days of your life. And you got three more leads to call and you got thirty minutes to do it. Do you call those leads? Absolutely. Try to set up for tomorrow if you have to. I know that's how you and I feel, but the people we wanted hire were the ones that go, oh, no, I'd probably, you know, like regroup for tomorrow. And I'm like, okay, we don't need you. You know, I didn't say that. I was like, okay, that's fair. You know? <laughs> you don't, yeah, I'll call you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a weed out process. But that's where you find the champions and the warriors from the, uh, from the order takers. You, you want to make a lot of money in sales. You got to have warriors working for you, man. Yeah, they, yeah I always said that your uh, your best salesmen are your best leaders. I've always yeah said yeah they got self motivated man. They they got to be able to get themselves up out of bed, get the coffee going, come into your office or work remotely, whatever it is, and they got to have fire in them. I mean, they got to like because. That's, you know, people ask me all the time, like, what makes a good salesperson or why do sales happen? Well, you know, first and foremost, and I'll get to this, it's all about threading the needle. And uh, but before you thread the needle, the most simplistic way to think of it is uh, it's a transfer of excitement, man. That's what it is. At the end of the day, if you're selling an insurance policy, if you're selling a building, if you're selling a car, if you're selling a boat, if you're so excited about what that could do for the prospect and you can uh, relate that with relatability to the prospect, that prospect owns what you're selling. Because at the end of the sales conversation, somebody owns the product. Either you as the salesperson or the prospect owns it and you've made a sale. But everybody gets sold. Either they sell you or you sell them. Yep. And, uh, the consumer, I've always said, they, they feed off your energy. If you have high yeah. energy, they're going to have it. If you have low energy, they're going to have that as well. That's right. And with that said, you got to meet them at their energy level because if they're really you know, down in the dumps or whatever, you got to perk them up a little bit, but you can't come in like you know, happy-go-lucky when they're depressed that day too. So, so you got to use like really good psychological people skills and, 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 uh, and, and uh, come to them 
at their level and raise their level a little bit to the point where they'll buy. But if you come in way too high, like we all know the guy in high school or the gal in high school, they would come to the party be way too happier than, than everybody else. And, uh, and you know, that, that would, uh, that would um, not work, right? Right. It, it's, it, it's like you're having a study group and everybody, you know, it's book group or whatever, and everybody's trying to memorize for a test and somebody comes in that just went to a concert and they're going crazy. It, it's like, it's the thing that doesn't fit in. It's like back in Sesame Street. One of these things doesn't belong. Yeah, I agree. I used to call it uh, mirroring the customer when I used to. Yes. Yeah. So important to mirror the customer. How do you call call? One of the things I do is I mirror the customer. And, uh, and if I have their name, that's beautiful. And, uh, and if they have a name that's hard to pronounce, you can type in their name on your cell phone and put like, how do you pronounce this name? Many times it will give you a little, uh, a little audio clip of how to pronounce that name. Like if it's like a French origin or Italian origin. And sometimes you're wrong, but people, especially if they have hard to pronounce names, they'll appreciate it if you at least did the research. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when I was a uh, call center manager for the sites that they gave Montego Bay, Jamaica, and they speak like a broken English, they call it. And uh, yes. I use Google Translate like crazy when I was scheduling interviews <laughs> for new agents. So, yeah, I know exactly. One, of those days. one thing that I did, John, um, uh-huh. kind of wanted to get your uh, your thought on it. Is yeah, man is my manager would always wonder what I was doing because I would hire the people that a lot of people wouldn't hire. Uh, I considered them to be kind of sketchy. And there was a reason for that because like you said, it's a game. And once they knew the game, they were the best at it. And we had the best team out of, I think seven states. Uh Yeah. So what are your thoughts about that? Have you ever looked at anything like that before? Like sketchy people or no? Well, so, so the thing is, is that you need to, they need to have drive. So, so when they come to you, do they need to be polished? No, they don't need to be polished, but they need to have drive. So, you know, that individual has to be a good rock. You can always put them in the polisher and, and come out, you know, professional, but they, but they need to be, so, you know, solid individuals, solid individuals with uh, gas in the tank. Right. So, uh, so if they've had a little bit of a sketchy background, um, you know, as long as they're honest, you know, that's, I think you need people that, 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 uh, that have a want and this desire to not make minimum wage. You know, you got to have people that see a value of making money and don't see it as a bad thing. If, 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 you know, first and foremost, it's a relationship with money that'll either lead to wealth or detract from wealth. Yep. And it's, and it, and it starts in your head. So if you come from a family that didn't value wealth, um, it's going to be tough for somebody to be wealthy. You can come from a poor family that valued wealth because you don't have to be wealthy to value wealth. Um, but I think that plays a role. So, so if you can find the people that have maybe been beat up a little bit in this world, you know, many times they can make some of your best salespeople and some of your, uh, some of your people too, that are the most loyal to you. Right. And that, I think sketchy might've been the wrong word, 
but you you hit it right on the nail. Uh, these are these were people who you wouldn't. They don't look like your average salesperson, is what I meant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like maybe you know maybe the haircut. Maybe maybe you need to coach you know coach them like the sales managers that listen to this. Um, you know, it's it's not a half bad thing to like. You know, it's it's good to invest in yourself. Get a nice haircut. Have your nails done. Uh, you know, I know it sounds strange, but if you invest in yourself, you'll feel so much better about yourself. You know, go ahead and throw down the coin to get yourself a health membership and uh, and use it. You know, uh, in, invest in yourself and spend time investing in yourself, and uh, and ultimately, it will it will turn into more wealth. Yep, and uh, I know that uh, when I was with the uh, Combined Insurance. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you had to wear a tie and a button-down shirt, right? But I uh-huh. care if it was 100 degrees or 200 degrees. When I went into a client's home or to their business, I always wore a suit jacket. Uh, I wanted oh, wow. to like it, and I think it. I think it helped. I mean, don't get me wrong. I had put on blue jeans and a t-shirt when I went to a coal mine to talk to the yes. you know, yes. your customer. But nine times. Yes. I- in a jacket no matter where i went to and a lot of the guys when i was training them uh some of them took heat and started doing it and some of them didn't and the more successful ones pretty much followed the lead you could tell they were going to listen to everything and just do it i never gave up on anybody i'd push them as hard as i could and they'd have to give up on themselves before i would man that is so good um Dress up, make up, and go up. That's right out of Zig Ziglar's book, See You at the Top. Yeah, I need to check that book out. I've never read that. Hey, you mentioned something, or when I was doing research, uh, uh-huh. on you, uh, that uh, you had this brilliant, brilliant way of getting around to the, uh, the person, the decision maker, and that mm-hmm. was acting like you had their cell phone. Can you tell the audience a little bit about it? <laughs> okay, yeah. So, um, so, so you call in and say, you know what, um, they're not here right now. And uh, then I would ask, is it okay if I call them on their cell phone? Now, these weren't corporations I was calling. They were, uh, they were for the most part, like proprietorships, where, you know, the guy's running that business himself or the gal's running that business themselves. And so they're out and about doing stuff to make it happen. And, uh, and so then what I would do is, uh, they would say, you have their cell phone. I'm like, well, let me check to make sure I do. And I would take whatever the prefix was from the lead. So, um, say it was, you know, uh, 714 and I'd be like, isn't it 714? And then I take the next three numbers from the lead, 681-2838. And, and she'd be like, oh no, that's not right. It's blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Well, thanks. I mean, <laughs> that, uh, that's genius. Uh, I love well, it. You know, it's, so it's based on a principle, and the principle is people like to prove you wrong. And, uh, and, 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 if you, and if you know some of the things, uh, you know, if you know basic principles of human psychology, so valuable in sales, uh, because then you can practice them. Like I've read intently on psychology. And, uh, and it helps me every day in sales and, um, and, and something just cause I'm new talking to your audience. I, I want to make sales pretty simplistic for, uh, for the sales people out there. So they're not just always beating themselves up when they don't get the sale. 
uh, it's simple in sales. You got to go out and you got to fish. You got to find somebody that needs what you want. And once you find somebody that needs what you want, and you determine that by asking them the proper questions and developing a good personality with people skills, and uh, and then you match what they're looking for, what they want to the product that you have. And, and you can only do that by asking them good questions and, and writing it down and then coming back to them and saying, I just want to make sure this is important to you, this is important to you, and this is important to you. Is that correct? That's called checking in. And they say, yes, that's correct. And then you come back with your product. And, 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 and it's like Shazam. It just so happens everything they're looking for, your product does all three of those things. And then you close. And, uh, and I like to do either an assumptive close or a choice close. Would you like to do the paperwork right now, or would you prefer that we schedule a time? See, now, uh, hmm, that's interesting, schedule a time to do the paperwork. Uh, I was always, to be honest with you, scared of doing that, scared of walking away without the check because I'd afraid I wouldn't get to sell. Um, what I, what and two, it might flesh out an objection, like they're not ready to sign yet. And, and that's what you're trying to do. You're, you're trying to do a choice close, an assumptive close. Uh, many times, I just fill out the paperwork while I'm talking to them. That's like what I, I them all the questions that are needed for the paperwork. And uh, by the time it's ready to rock and roll, I'm like, well, you know what? You've been so good today. I want you to know that this is ready to go. So if, the, if this is something that resonates with you, it sounds like it does, because you mentioned you were looking for this, this, and this. And this does this, this, and this benefit, benefit, benefit. Um, all I really need to do is get your John Hancock and we'll be good to go. You know, John, that's the same way I did it almost exactly. I would fill out, okay. yeah. I would fill out the application while I was still doing the process. And I've had actually customers say, uh, uh, now I'm not interested in doing anything today. I'd say, okay. And I'd continue doing my spill while I was filling out the application. And nine times out of 10, I'd close them that way. Absolutely, man. And, and the puppy dog clothes is, the, is probably the best clothes in the world. Have you heard that term, the puppy dog clothes? I have not. Okay. So the idea behind the puppy dog clothes is, so, um, so you and your wife, you go out to the, uh, to the pet store. And, and you're just looking for puppies. You don't know, like, what kind of puppy or anything that you want. And the smart pet owner says, you know what? It seems like this one likes you a lot why don't you guys just take this home for a couple of days? No, no, you know, it's not obligated or anything like that. We'll just have you sign a little disclaimer or whatever, but you won't have to pay for the puppy. You just take it home for a couple of days. What, what is today? Monday. Why don't you bring it back uh, Monday evening? And, uh, and, and, and then, you know, we'll get you another one and see if another one will work for you. Well, the way the puppy dog clothes works is they take it home Monday and by the time they come back Wednesday, they love that puppy, and, uh, and they want to buy it. That's the puppy dog clothes. So how it works with paperwork is they're like, yeah, it sounds great. Man, I, I just need some time or whatever. Well, yeah, and, and I understand that, Bob. I mean, everybody needs time, and I definitely want you to feel comfortable you know, with what we're talking about and how we can benefit you. And I definitely don't want you moving forward until you're completely comfortable with it. But let's do this. I went ahead and filled out the uh, the paperwork while we've been uh, while we've been speaking. Um, 
let's go ahead and tentatively get you the paperwork. That way, if I can date this paperwork today, when I call you on Wednesday, if you're ready to move forward, I can have our price locked in. That way, if it goes up on Monday, you got the better price. How would that be? Boom, puppy dog clothes. Yes, yes. I didn't know it was called that, but uh, I used to uh, do, uh, well, you know what? Let's do this. Let me let's go ahead and fill out the application, finish filling out, get your signature, and let's see if I can get you approved by underwriting. And uh, if you still don't want it, if I can get you approved, which would be amazing, uh, then, uh, you know, we can go ahead and cancel it. No problem. Yeah, and nine times out of ten when I called them back, they were so excited because they figured they had some kind of pre-existing condition or what have you. They didn't think it was approved. And once I told them they were approved, oh, yeah, man, go ahead. Yeah, let's keep it. There you go. What's called that, though? That's awesome. Well, and it shows confidence. So um, so one of the best paperwork you can send is uh, is the application. And and so uh, and so if I'm selling something that requires an application, that's what I'm that's what I'm sending. If I have to send a proposal before an application can be generated, you know, so be it. Because you got your early adopters and you got your late adopters, and that and that comes from psychology. So, like most salespeople, feel like everybody's the same. Everybody's not the same. You got followers and you got leaders. You have to sell differently to followers than you do leaders. And and you got your early adopters and you got your late adopters. And you have to sell differently to early adopters and late adopters. If you treat everybody the same and make broad strokes, you're not going to be as successful. No, yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. You have uh, some people need to be handled with uh, kid gloves. And then some of your customers you come across, you're going to have to be a little bit more aggressive with uh, to make the final close. I agree with that 100%. That's it. They're, they're followers, and, and they feel more comfortable being led by somebody else. Right. And, uh, and, and two, and, and this is how detailed I get in sales, but some people are auditory learners, and some people are uh, visual learners. And, and some people are a little bit of both. But, but if you know that, um, you can test them a little bit and, and, and you can ask them, you know, is it helpful for me to show you this or would you like to hear more about it? And if they say, I'd like to hear more about it, they're telling you they tend to be an auditory learner. If, if they tell you they want to see a graph or they need to see some specs on what you're discussing, then you have more of a visual learner. And, and if you play to their strong points, then uh, if you don't play to their strong points, then, uh, then you won't sell as much either. Yeah, some of the most fun I've ever had was selling to other salesmen. I always considered yeah, it a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was some of the greatest memories I have of uh, doing sales were uh, sitting down, come to find out this guy's been in sales for 20 years, and no way he's ready to buy. He's not going to buy anything. And then I close him. That was always I exciting. Yeah. I love it. Well, and uh, along those lines, um, some folks that I've run into in my life, and I detail this in my book, these are just like examples of uh, experiences that I've had as an adult, having somebody try to sell to me, um, has taught me what not to do as well. Like I like selling to salespeople as well. And I love having them as clients and customers because I can relate to them so much. But uh, but if I'm out buying a mattress and somebody says something goofy to me, 
or if I'm out buying a car and somebody just deviates completely from what I consider to be professional selling, I will not buy from them. Yeah, I'm the same way. I've, I've walked out of uh, many deals with me being the consumer. Uh, it just, uh, I don't know, it was my profession and I expected them to treat it with respect. I know how you feel about that. Yeah, and I got to like them too. Like, I got to like the person. I can't tell you how many car lots I've stepped on. Nobody asked me my background at all. I've walked on a car lot before where, um, where my wife and I are together, and uh, they're talking to my wife, and I'm going to be the guy pulling the trigger. Yeah, um, yeah, you've got to sell yourself first to anybody, and that's get to know your customer, no matter who they yeah. are. Yeah. Um, one thing that I did. Uh, yeah, go ahead. What's that? I don't know. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, so um, one thing I did find out when doing research, and uh, I'd love to hear this story, is that uh-huh. you started with a Fortune 500 startup company and actually yes. had customers. And by the time you left a uh, five-year period, uh, you had over 300 uh, and set so many records on sales and personal awards. And I just, I think that's awesome, but I think the audience would love to hear that story. Well, absolutely. I mean, it's all about bringing in the new customers. So one way that I was able to bring in a lot of new customers is even though, you know, at some point I had, say, 80 customers as an example, um, I still cold called, even if I had current customers that were ready to buy something else. And so I would cold call Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And uh, I would only call my customers who were ready to buy on Friday. It, it always gave me an advantage over uh, all the other salespeople because all the other salespeople feared rejection and I feared not making money and not having growth in my business. And so I would set my business up for growth. And so even if I had somebody begging to buy from me on a Monday, I wouldn't call them until four o'clock in the afternoon and I would write that sale. But the rest of the day on the Monday, I would be cold calling. And so I would always focus on cold calling so I could get better at it. And, uh, and, and, and I built my business around that. And, and that's how I was, and, and how I was able to get repeat business is uh, the way I approached cold calling was different than how I coddled the customer. How I coddled the customer was I wowed them. And how I wowed them was, was professional soft skilling, soft sales skills such that I would try to find out everything about the customer, how many kids they had, what they liked, what they didn't like, uh, just basic stuff about them, you know. Did they play baseball in high school? Did they play football in high school? Were they a cheerleader in high school? Anything at all that they could drip on me about or stuff that was important to them that they liked to do. Uh, anything at all that we could talk about that had nothing at all to do with what we were selling them. Then, when I would call them on a monthly or by monthly basis, Kentucky guy, um, we would always start off on the personal level. You know, I would uh, I would be cheerfully, hey, this is John Frederick with XYZ Company. Hi, John, how are you? I'm good. Mary, Mary, last time we spoke, you were taking the kids to the lake. Uh, I think it was on a Saturday. Did you guys end up staying overnight? Oh, yeah, we had a really good time. How many of y'all went? Did you guys do a cookout that night? Like, man, I am just peppering with questions that have nothing at all to do. And then next thing you know, when you approach people that way, they ask, well, John, what have you been up to? You can't ever not be up to something if you're a salesperson. 
you have to have a very strong, fun personality. Uh, you know, Mary, I actually went camping with my family. We, you know, we went out to Lake Whatever. We built a fire, set up some tents for my boys. We did some wars that night. Oh, John, that sounds like so fun. God, you're such a good father. Boom. Now I'm a good father. Yeah, uh, I think that's one of the issues I see right now with a lot of your new salesmen. They're too dependent on leads. So when I had existing leads, the existing customers, when I finally yes. started my book of business, right? The only thing that I would use those existing customers for is to send Christmas cards and birthday cards to and to get referrals from them. Uh, yes. You know, that they were the best source, the best funnel. I ever found to find new customers uh, when I was having a tough time cold calling. Say, hey, you know anybody? You know, this seems to, uh, this policy, you're really happy with it, right? Uh, and I always do suggestive selling, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're automatically agreeing uh, because I say, right. And then, uh, you know, they'll give me two or three names. I don't pressure them or anything. Hey, do you know yeah. anybody benefit from this as well? And that was my best way of getting referrals was existing customers. I just, that's the only reason why I ever kept leads was just to send them Christmas cards, keep that personal touch. Absolutely. That's so awesome. Kentucky guy. I mean, I sent thank you notes too. When I was building my, uh, my industrial business early on, every time they bought, I would take time and send them a thank you note. Um, but, but you bring up such a valid point. It's something that I preach a lot and it's all about the minor. Yes. So what's the minor yes? The minor yes is an agreement process as you're going through your presentation. You're getting minor agreements. And if you're not getting minor agreements, you're getting objections. So this is the time to overcome objections, not when you're closing and there's all three objections why they won't buy. Objections you overcome as you're doing the presentation and you're going for the minor yes. Because if you don't get enough minor yeses, you really have no right to ask for the business. And that's called threading the needle. So if they're not in agreement with what you're saying, then there's no reason to even ask for the business. So, so, so it's like dating, right? So, uh, so you're, you're out with a girl or a guy, and uh, you're just trying to get to know them, and uh, you're trying to see if there's any relatability with you as the product, right? So, uh, so you say things like, uh, yeah, you know, when I was a kid, I was really into art and music. I used to draw a lot as a, uh, as a young man. How about you? Did you, did you get into art as a, uh, as a young girl? Yes, I did. Oh, really? Well, tell me about it. Okay. You just got a minor. Yes. Like you and her now have some agreeability. There's a minor. Yes. Same way in, uh, in business. You're, uh, you're talking to him. I use cars as an example. You know, um, are, are you looking for like a four cylinder, a six cylinder? Do you, do you need something bigger? Like, like tell me what your vision is for your next vehicle, which is a great question to ask anybody in sales, right? It's completely open-ended. What is your vision for your family room set for your, uh, for your home? What is your vision for your entertainment center that you're getting ready to buy? Look at that. I just laid in all these minor yeses. And all this agreement early on with just one sentence. Um, you know, as you're talking about the remodel that you're going to do for your family, like tell me all about your vision for it. And, uh, you know, like, what, 
what do you feel like uh, doing the remodel is going to do for you and the in your family and, and what do you want to change in your current house you know all this and and you get these minor yeses going during your uh, during your presentation you know the, the other thing i think of that would have a lot of minor yeses is when you're talking to somebody about buying a uh uh a timeshare so cindy i mean how many cindy do you have a lot of friends yes no okay well, uh, tell me, do, do some of your friends and family own timeshares? Uh, yeah, they do. Really. Um, well, tell me, um, Cindy, what are, uh, what are the, some of the things they like the most about the timeshares that they own? Have, have they told you some stories about some really neat places they've been able to go and really nice stays that they've been able to do? Yes. Oh, and, and then they'll tell you a story. And, and then, too, it's, it's time to overcome the objection. Well, tell me, um, Cindy, with your friends and family that own timeshares, what, what's some of the things that they don't like about the timeshare they own? Because, uh, you know, possibly your timeshare isn't going to have the same objection that the timeshare has of her friends and family. And you're going to know that up front. Like she might say, well, one of my parents paid like $20,000 for their timeshare. I certainly want to pay $20,000. Yeah, so... uh uh, you mentioned a couple things there that uh, I was actually uh, wondering about myself. Uh, when we talk about uh, what is your uh, what is your feelings about uh, these new salesmen with these leads, like like I was just discussing earlier, um, I, I think it's a real. I think it's hurt the sales business as a profession. Uh, but you know, that's just my opinion. What are what are yours on the leads? Yeah, great question, Kentucky guy. I mean, it's been my experience that when somebody gets a lead, and, and myself as well, I mean, ideally you'd like to think this person's ready to buy, but that's certainly not why you hire a salesperson. A lead is somebody that's likely to buy. A lead is somebody that could buy. A lead is not somebody who's been properly, and when I use my terminology, you have to thread the needle. The more you go back to the basics of sales, the more successful in sales you'll be. And uh, back in the day, I used to coach basketball for one of my kids. And uh, as a basketball coach, myself and the other coaches, we uh, really harped on doing uh, layups, free throws, and short bank shots. Why? Because they have the highest probability of making it. And if we could get the kids to do layups, short bank shots, and free throws, we could win a basketball game. Now, if they could make a three-pointer, if they could make one way outside the uh, line, uh, you know, great. Uh, but that wasn't going to win a game. We had to work the ball in. We had to get it to the, uh, to the inside. And we had, to, um, and we had to do that consistently because that's how we were going to be successful. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, something about, uh, about the rejection uh, being, uh, don't wait till the closing. I a hundred percent agree with that. Uh, one of the things that, uh, the only time that I ever seen, uh, a rejection at closing is when I stepped in to close for like a newer agent and they uh -huh. did, they didn't do the job basically. And, uh, right. boy, that was a, a training and teaching moment. Uh, every, and a lot of times, you know, and, and this is just because of experience. I was able to get, you know, and get them to actually buy. But uh, you're absolutely right. You've got to have 
suggestive selling all the way through or you're in trouble. It definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, practice the minor yes with your family. And uh, in the minor yes could be like uh, kids. I was thinking about taking us out to have some delicious uh, grilled cheeseburgers with bacon on them. Would you like to go with me? Yes. And maybe afterwards we'll have some ice cream. Does that sound good? Yes. Would you like to have some friends go with us? You, you get the idea? You're asking people questions that they can't help but answer yes. And so you have to know your product line so well that you're leading with a benefit that has relatability to your prospect. They can't help but say yes. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and then, you know, when you related to what you're talking about, uh, you know, as far as the product wise, you're like, well, you can definitely see the benefit in this, correct? You know, and then they'll agree and get them to do that about five times. And I think nine times out of 10, you've got them hooked. So, um, yeah, you know, and, and the other thing I really wanted to drive home is, uh, you know, we use the term objection. I actually, I mean, I get why we do that because we both, you and I, Kentucky guy, have been in sales so long. But, uh, but I would like for salespeople to quit using the word objection because, uh, because that's adversarial. That's like it's you against them, right? Uh, it kind of is and it kind of isn't. But, but what I would suggest is that we change that to question. And, and when they have an objection, Cindy, that's a valuable question. Bob, that's a valuable question. Um, and then answer their question. You're overcoming their objection, but call it a question. Sometimes they're amazed you're calling it a question. Uh, your price is too high. I understand, Bob. I know you got a question about my price. So, you know, sometimes you got to do it a little bit different. But, uh, but the more you think of it as a question, the more confident you'll come off. And, uh, and ultimately, the, uh, the more business you'll do. Um, the, the salesperson that is just always adversarial, and it's always them and us kind of thing, um, and doesn't give the, uh, the prospect the... Uh, the respect that they're doing with their question because people have a right to have questions because ultimately what you're doing when you're selling, I call it thread the needle, but some other professionals call it, uh, you're, you're taking away uncertainty. And how do you take away uncertainty? We have to check the boxes. So uh, you got to first find out what they're looking for. I'm looking for X, Y, and Z. And, and why is X, Y, and Z important to you? Because X will do this for me, Y will do that for me, and Z will do that for me. So now you have the vision of what they want. So then it's just a matter of price. So, uh, and it's price, product, close. And uh, it sells is that simple, right? You just thread the needle. You go out fishing, and uh, you get super confident, and, uh, and you continue to thread the needle over and over and over. And you stay persistent. You got to be a warrior, man. You, you got to be in it to win it. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I never have used the word objection to a customer. Uh, uh -huh. yeah, that would definitely turn them off. Yeah. Um, I, so I just think it's bad to teach salespeople to call it an, an objection. Because um, you know, like, yeah, like it's a concern. It's not an objection. You know, the doctor says you, 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 you have a growth on your arm. Um, well, that's a concern of mine. So, so doctor, tell me, you know, what, what can we do? Well, we can apply some medication. It could take several months. That could work. We could do surgery. 
that could work. Um, you know, it's similar in sales. Like people, you, they're uncertain. Make me feel better about it. You know, which is better for me? And, uh, and, and then when you lower the uncertainty, next you have trust. And like you know, once you have trust, you have referral business. Yeah, once you have trust, you have uh, you've got to sell basically. I always, uh, yeah, you're mm-hmm. just, uh, the objection thing. I never really ran across that. Uh, I always taught them to say it's a no and a yes, uh, yeah. but, but not to say that to your customer, of course. But you know, if you want to look at it as you know, you got rejection. Don't look at it as an objection, but you know, it's a no. You know, mm-hmm. you need. You have to have no's in this business in order to grow and to get to that next yes. So it can be a good thing as well. Um, I, want oh, to, yeah, yeah. I wanted you to tell the audience a little bit. I know we're running out of time. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Tell them a little bit about your book that you've got out in your website. I think your website's fascinating, by the way. So, yeah. Oh, thanks. I, I really appreciate that. So, uh, so my book's called Sales Warrior. And, uh, and it's really just meant to inspire either the brand new salesperson or the salesperson that's been selling 20 plus years to get into the basics and truly embrace the soft skills of selling. That's what I teach. I teach inspiration and I teach the soft skills of selling. And, uh, and I parlay that with a professional course that I teach called Sales Warrior. My book is called Sales Warrior. My course is called Sales Warrior Bootcamp. And uh, it's wonderful. My boot camp is a three-day boot camp. It has 20-plus hours of inspiration, instruction, worksheets, audio, video. And it's designed to be uh, used in uh, one-hour action blocks. And it's designed to both inspire and educate either a salesperson who's been doing it a short period of time or a salesperson who just needs a kick in the pants. That's what it was designed to uh, to do. And, um, and it's easy to, you know, work with me um you just go to saleswarriorinspire.com um, my course is right there if you uh, if you go on and you order my course and you notate that you heard about it on the kentucky guy uh, broadcast uh you get a free book worth ten dollars from uh, from uh, amazon um, and then also monthly you'll get inspiration monthly or uh every other month you'll get about a one hour inspiration from me such as this interview right now that is amazing and i will uh that promotion uh for the listeners for our audience uh guys i will have that on our website as well uh so you don't forget be sure to check it out uh john i i want to thank you so much uh for coming oh, absolutely hey, well, one other thing i didn't tell everybody so so i started this thing out at like being 399 almost 400 bucks i decided that i would rather have more people buy it than not buy it and so it's 99 dollars 99 bones, you know, a, a good steak dinner for three. I mean, a hundred dollars and we're talking about your, your career. So yeah. I mean, the only thing I know, I'm not doing part two. This is part one and only. I mean, that, that's a tremendous deal. So, uh, you heard it here first, $99 folks. Uh, I mean, it's a tremendous deal. And once again, how can you put a price on providing for your family? So, John, thank you so much for joining us for today. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. I think you've added a lot of value. And uh, can you go ahead and uh, give out your social media, how folks can get a hold of you if they want to? Yeah, the easiest way is uh, all my social media links are out on my, um, 
on my website, which is saleswarriorinspire.com. I'd, I'd love to have more people set up with me on LinkedIn. My LinkedIn is John, J-O-N, Sales Warrior. And uh, the more the merrier. I can't have a bigger party. There you go. There you go. All right, folks. So once again, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, you've been listening to the Red Pill Current News Podcast with your host, the Kentucky Guy. Hope everybody has a wonderful day. And as always, God bless and God bless America.